Thank you for joining us for the Lessons from First Naz podcast. Last week, Pastor Cliff spoke to us on the subject of, of great expectations. And he shared with us that we live in a time, at a point in history it seems, when too many people have great expectations that become great disappointments. And we often have a difficult time dealing with the grand disappointments in life. He asked us if we might be disappointed with God. And he added that such a question was one that that uh, you and I needed to be completely honest about. During Pastor Cliff's message, he noted that we need to be careful about allowing the disappointments of the past to shape our experience of the future, our expectations of the future. And I thought to myself, that's one of those statements I need to have written down. I need to remember it. Pastor Cliff gave us several promises that God gives his people as he spoke to us last week. Number one, and I won't elaborate on these at all, but uh, you can expect everything to work together for your good if you're a child of God. Secondly, you can expect God to make you like Jesus at the level of your character. That will begin to happen. Third, you can expect God to make you a winner. And finally, you can expect God to never, ever let you go. When God gets hold of you, he's not going to simply allow you to just slip through his fingers. He's not going to allow that to happen. Your doubts, your feelings, your emotions, none of these are going to separate you from God. Near the close of his message, Pastor Cliff asked us, So, are you disappointed with God? Why not trust God, realizing that he always knows what's best? And then he suggested that each of us surrender our disappointments in life to him. I've been thinking about his message throughout this week. Uh, I've been preparing for this one uh, for several weeks now after he had asked Aaron and I each to share once during this Christmas season, and as I began to think and pray about the message that God might have me share with you this morning, I began to think about this whole matter of great expectations, and I began to mull over in my mind the expectations that you and I, no doubt, have of God. What are your expectations of God? Expectations of God. I, I suppose there might be some who would wonder what I'm asking with that question. But think for just a moment. As a Christian, do you have expectations of God? Someone might quickly respond with, no, I don't have expectations of God. Uh, in fact, someone might think that They really didn't have any right to have expectations of God. And someone else might say, well, certainly we can have reasonable expectations of God. Reasonable expectations of a powerful, omnipotent God. Someone might be thinking, well, I'm not sure 
really what Pastor Bill is even asking with a question like that, with so-called expectations of God. But let me ask you this. If you have a relationship with someone, it might be a spouse, a family member, a close friend, whatever, don't you expect certain things from them? Sure you do. You expect loyalty. You expect support, helpfulness, faithfulness. You may even expect them to provide for you to tolerate you and put up with you when you're difficult to be around. Put your hand down, Bonnie. (laughs) We're not taking comments. (laughs) That wasn't part of my message, really. (laughs) But you also look for encouragement and comfort from, from the other person. If you have a close relationship with them, all these things are part of that. When you marry, you have very definite expectations of your spouse. And to demonstrate that, you no doubt stood in front of a minister and you swore upon oath that you would uphold those expectations. So, do we tend to have expectations of God? We're going to consider that question this morning. And I would pray that you would allow yourselves to become transparent and open and just allow the light of the Holy Spirit, to come in and show you how your heart and soul can be changed and impacted regarding your expectations of God and His great expectations for you. I'm going to be reading a portion of the Christmas story. It's in Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, and it will be on the screen behind me. Listen as we read. At that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census when Quirinius was governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. He traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee. He took with him Mary, his fiancée, who was now obviously pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born. She gave birth to her first child, a son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Those verses are several that provide us just a little bit of a glimpse into the lives of those who were part of this tiny family, but yet a family which has affected all mankind from that point in history onward. Joseph and Mary were common, ordinary people whom God chose for a very uncommon, unordinary task. And yet I would imagine that there were uh, a lot of similarities in their lives which could be compared with ours even today. His calling upon their lives will never be repeated. We, We would agree to that, I'm sure. But still, I think we could find some similarities with what they experienced and what we do even today. I got to thinking about this couple, and I thought, I wonder, did Mary ever experience morning sickness when she was 
carrying that child than he developed within her womb? Probably so. Uh, I wonder about Joseph. Did he ever suffer heartburn after eating too much roast lamb with too much seasoning on it? (laughs) He probably did. I wonder if Mary ever experienced feelings of, of fear as the time for the birth of that baby drew near and she learned of and heard of other women, knew of other women who had died during childbirth or gave birth to a child who was disabled in some way. This was at a period in history when the number of of uh, mothers who died during childbirth was just out of sight. And if the mother didn't die, quite often the child did. I wondered about the ridicule that Mary must have experienced as it became obvious to those around her that she was pregnant and she was going to have a child. Most of those who heard her story about becoming pregnant would no doubt have been pretty skeptical. They just simply wouldn't have believed her. Do you suppose that Joseph ever had concerns related to his ability to provide adequately for his family? I wonder if he ever entertained thoughts of looking for a better paying job so that he might be able to give Mary a more pleasant home with a little more room in a better setting, at least materially speaking, in which the child could be raised too. We could go on and on considering the questions that Joseph and Mary may have had coursing through their minds in the months leading up to the birth of the child and for the years that followed. And if we believe that this couple was not that much unlike you and, and me, then they must certainly certainly have had questions just like I've been referring to. And along with their questions, I would suggest that there must certainly have been particular expectations of God. There must surely have been occasions when they paused to pray and lifted these questions to their Heavenly Father, asking Him for direction and for guidance, seeking His grace and His assurance in the living out of their lives. I read some some figures recently that more than 90% of the praise the prayers that we pray deal with physical needs. Does that mean as a Christian, you and I have expectations of God that he will take care of our physical bodies and our material needs in a way that might be considered a little bit unusual by the rest of the world in which we live? This account of Joseph and Mary that we read in the Bible causes us to believe that this was a couple who communicated with God. They had a close, close relationship with their Heavenly Father. And I believe it's one that can be an example for all of us. Do you suppose that there's any chance at all that Joseph, as he contemplated the requirements of the government that they traveled to Bethlehem, which was nearly 80 miles away, I mean, it wasn't just a day's trip. It was a long trip for them. Do you suppose he might have taken time to pray for safe and trouble-free travel for he and Mary and the baby she was carrying? I wonder if he may not have prayed that God would shield and protect his wife and that she would remain well and healthy during that difficult trip. It was a trip that was going to be difficult in many ways. It was going to be physically tiring, and, and it was coming so late 
in her pregnancy. Think about the things that you include in your prayers each day. I suspect that many of us pray for the safety of loved ones. We pray for their health. It makes no difference if they're people that are part of our family or that we care about who live close or far away. We often lift them up before our Heavenly Father in prayer. We pray for people in need of healing. But then why did God allow them to become ill? <laughs> we pray for jobs for those who are unemployed. We pray for the salvation of loved ones and people we know who are lost. We pray for this and that, and I have to tell you, sometimes it seems we must have many expectations of God if the content of our prayers are any indication. And yet, as I wrestle with this all, I begin to wonder, uh, how often does it appear our requests go unanswered? We pray for the health and the healing of a loved one, and that person dies. We pray for a job for a family member who's been out of work for a long time, and one seems to come open, it's going to be just right, and they don't get it. We pray that a child will, will grow up, stay free of trouble, stay free of sin, and that child turns their back on God and becomes in all kinds of trouble and causes us all manner of heartache. We pray for God's healing touch upon a marriage relationship which seems to be growing cold and disintegrating, and before we know what has happened, we see the divorce notice in the paper. We pray about a promotion at work which would provide a pay increase that we really need. It would help us take care of all of our debts and we could live more comfortably and we could even give more money to the church. But someone else gets the position. We have to continue struggling along trying to figure out how to pay the bills that come in every week. We could go on and on relating such prayer content as this and giving what would seem to be examples of an apparent unwillingness on the part of God to meet our expectations of him. But you remember, don't you, that he told us in Scripture that we were to ask of him in faith, believing, and we'd have it, right? <laughs> so what's wrong here? Why do things seem to often go contrary to our expectations of God? There's a couple that Bonnie and I have been acquainted with for a good many years now. And I think most of you know Leroy and Sylvia Hyatt as well. I visited with them yesterday afternoon and received their permission to share this story with you this morning. A number of years ago, Leroy's parents had been to visit them over the Thanksgiving holiday and as the days moved into the Christmas season and they got ready to go home and and uh, Leroy shared with me that one of the things they did before they left in a situation like that was stop and pray and pray for safe traveling. And then his parents left for uh, oh, about six-hour drive for that time of year, I imagine, back to Nampa where they lived. About three hours after they had left, while they were driving through that mountainous area uh, near New Meadows in central Idaho, 
they encountered wet snow that began to build up on the highway and there was slush and on a stretch of roadway uh, they suddenly struck a patch of deep slush. Their car was pulled to the left into the oncoming lane of traffic and into the path of another vehicle and they were involved in a severe collision. Leroy's parents and the five occupants of that other vehicle were taken by ambulance to the hospital in, in that small mountain community of McCall that was about 17 or 18 miles away, as I recall. It was from the hospital that Leroy's dad called them and, and told them what had happened. He told them that he told Leroy that he only seemed to be bumped and bruised, but that Leroy's mother had seemed confused, and even though uh, she had been talking immediately after the accident, as they were being taken to the hospital in McCall, she slowly began to lose consciousness. Leroy and Sylvia called their son Kevin, who lived in Spokane, to advise him what had taken place and they asked him to pray for his grandma and grandpa. Leroy and Sylvia then got in their car a few minutes later and left for that three-hour drive to the hospital in McCall where Leroy's parents waited for them. Leroy's mom, after being examined at that small hospital there, was felt to be in too serious a condition to be treated there, and she was airlifted to a hospital in Boise. Leroy's father uh, was going to wait right there until Leroy and Sylvia had arrived, and then they could go on, on down. Shortly after Leroy and Sylvia arrived to meet his dad, they were contacted by the physicians in the hospital where Leroy's mom had been taken, and the report was grim. Leroy and Sylvia and and Leroy's dad were told that, that uh, this wife and mother were being kept, was being kept alive only by the apparatus that she was hooked up to in the hospital, and she simply could not live. Leroy's parents uh, had discussed such a possibility a long time before this, and Leroy's dad knew the course of action he was going to take the physicians there in Boise were told to remove all of the life support equipment to which Leroy's mom was attached. Her life was over. It was finished. It was ended. And so I find myself asking the question, where was God in all of this? Here was a wonderful couple who had lived lives committed to Christ over a period of many, many years and now, why, why, why did they have to be so tragically separated? Why hadn't God answered the prayers that had been prayed that this woman would live? Doesn't God still work miracles, at least for his people, once in a while? Let me share with you some of the things which took place that are certainly a part of this story, and then you tell me, you can tell me if you think God had completely abandoned these good people. Now remember, Leroy and Sylvia were out the door of their home here in Lewiston and on their way 
probably within 20 minutes of receiving the call from his dad. In those 20 minutes, they made three phone calls. They called the prayer chain in their home church, this church right here, and asked people to pray. And word spread quickly about what had happened, and faithful people began to pray. Uh, If you're not part of our prayer chain, I would encourage you to take one of those friendship, one of those welcome cards that are in all of our pews and get your name and your email address on there if you're willing to pray for requests that come. Uh, Sometimes we have busy weeks with multiple prayer requests that we receive. But as soon as we get one, we send it out to the people on our prayer chain by email and others are called and given the request over the phone and people begin to pray. Uh, One of our ladies shared with me a while back, she said, She'll be at work. She'll see that a prayer request has come. And no matter what she's doing, she'll stop for a moment and pray for the request. That's what was done on this particular day as Leroy and Sylvia called the prayer chain in our church and asked people to pray. They called their son Kevin in Spokane, advised him of what had taken place. And they also called the pastor of the Nazarene Church in McCall and advised him what had happened and that Leroy's parents were in the hospital there. At least they were at that point. The pastor of the McCall church was at home. He took the call and within moments he was on his way to the hospital where he stayed with Leroy's dad until Leroy and Sylvia had arrived and then he stayed with them until they left for Boise. Leroy and Sylvia's son, Kevin, immediately called the local airlines to see if there was any chance there was a flight for Boise out of Spokane that he might catch. Uh, He found out there was one flight. He caught it within the hour, and uh, within the hour of his mom calling him, and uh, it it was a flight that had been overbooked, but when he called, there was one seat left, and he got it. And uh, in a little more than two hours, after Kevin had received the call from his mother, he was at the hospital in Boise, and he got there just as they were bringing his grandmother in. An hour and a half later, uh, Leroy and Sylvia arrived at that hospital in McCall, where where Kevin's grandfather, where Leroy's dad, waited with that Nazarene pastor. And by then, the doctors examining... Leroy's mom had enough information to inform them that she couldn't live. The decision was made to remove the life support equipment. The staff at the Boise Hospital allowed Kevin to spend about a half hour with his grandmother before they removed the equipment. He was there when they shut everything down and removed the tubes and lines. He was there when when she died. She wasn't alone. Kevin shared with me after this had occurred, and uh, he said that as he sat next to his dying grandmother, the words of that old hymn, Wonderful Peace, began to flood through his mind. And as he sat next to that hospital bed, he kept going over, kept having those words go through his mind. Peace, peace, wonderful peace, coming down from the Father above. He told me later, he said, those words kept flooding my mind as I watched life just 
slip away from my grandma. It was very difficult, Kevin said, but at the same time, it was a very joyful time in my heart. And I thought, joyful? Joyful? At a time like that? Kevin then shared with me about his grandfather and parents arriving at the at the Boise Hospital and how when they got there, pastors from his grandparents' own church there in Nampa had arrived. Kevin said, we all knew where my grandmother was. God's providence and God's grace are more than sufficient. Ooh. You know, life can be harsh. Having Jesus Christ as your personal Savior does not make you and me immune to tragedy or heartache or trouble. But if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ this morning, I'm telling you, there's always light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak. There's always the beauty after the sunshine of a violent storm through the worst of nights. With God, there is always a sunrise that follows the darkness of the sunsets that we experience in our lives. The Christian who trusts in God can be confident in the Master's companionship through even the most difficult struggles and conflicts that are part of our lives. Some of you right here this morning have been experiencing tremendously difficult times in your lives, and you may have wondered, why? Why do I have to endure such hardship? You may have questioned the wisdom or love of God for permitting such misfortune to envelop your life. You've questioned why the burden needs to be so heavy that it seems like you're expected to carry. As Pastor Cliff noted last week, some of you have no doubt allowed the disappointments of the past to shape your future. Your expectations of God have not come about in the manner you may have hoped for and prayed about and prayed for. Joseph and Mary, so very human, just like you and me, may well have had occasions when they found themselves questioning the circumstances that their lives were coming up against. They didn't like some of the things that they were being confronted with. They no doubt had great expectations for their future because of God, and as a result, they demonstrate to us a vital, close relationship with God which allowed them to take hold of his power. His strength, his mercy, and his great grace, they had that in their grasp. And this very human couple made it. They made it. I suspect that one of the reasons which enabled Joseph and Mary to make it is wrapped up in a truth or a principle that I have come to believe in. It's a principle which I believe can change your life if you have not already accepted it and put it into use. It's a principle I suspect we need to be reminded of occasionally, and it can even be woven intricately into the great expectations we have of God. In 1 Peter Chapter 5, verses 6 and 7, we read these words. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, 
He will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Mm. Many of you no doubt have those verses memorized. They're inspiring, they're encouraging, and they do lift us up. But you notice there's two verses that go together. Not just verse 7, verse 6 is part of those two that I read. We're told to humble ourselves so that God may lift us up at the right time. Humbleness and God's time schedule. Those two really do go together, and Joseph and Mary learned that. We're then told to give all our worries care and cares to God because he loves us, he cares for us, and he desires to carry the burdens that we bear. So we do that, don't we? Or at least we try to. Well, 90% of them, or maybe 75%, or at least those we can't handle on our own, right? <laughs> a few moments ago, I mentioned a, a principle or a truth that I wanted to leave with you this morning, and here it is. The enemy, Satan, devours us through the cares we fail to cast upon the Lord. Mm. Friends, has, has Satan been chewing you up and spitting you out of his mouth because of the cares that you have failed to cast upon God? Our Heavenly Father asks us to cast all our cares and worries upon him. And I wonder if too many of us fail to do that, or at least fail to do a good job of that. We hang on to garbage which weighs us down, drags us under, and prohibits us from experiencing a life lived in the full freedom of Jesus Christ. And not just at Christmas, but all year long. I'm going to ask the worship team to come if they will and share a closing song with us this morning. Would you stand with me as we prepare to come to the conclusion of our service this morning? If you have not let go of even the smallest sliver of a care and given it to God, then I would suggest that your expectations of him Maybe they're unreal. I'm asking that you consider giving your cares to God this Christmas season. All of them. Allow him to show you real freedom, true freedom. And I'll tell you, if you do that, you'll experience unsurpassed joy because you will experience the unlimited power of God at work. God's love at work in your life. You can have great expectations for your future. You can have great expectations of God.